Welcome to the Love and Light Live podcast, empowering crystal lovers to learn and experience the art of crystal healing. Get ready to listen in and follow your soul calling with crystals. Hello, and thank you so much for joining me for the Love and Light Live podcast brought to you by loveandlightschool.com. I'm your host, Ashley Levy, and this podcast is the number one place for all things crystals. In today's show, I'm sharing some of my very best tips for shopping the Tucson Gem and Mineral Show, but you can apply these tips to any gem show you visit or even to your local crystal shop, and I'll be sharing a little bit about how to spot crystal fakes, which is a huge problem in the mineral market today. Before we dive into this talk, though, I want to invite you to follow me over on Instagram at Love and Light School, where I'll be sharing a behind the scenes look at my time at the Tucson Gem Show. I'll be focusing on sharing lots of crystal fakes that I find to my Instagram stories, which will be saved to a highlight on my account page. So you can check those out, see what I found at the show this year that's fake, as well as how to spot those fakes, what to look for. And I'll also be sharing some new finds and trends from the show. Now, today's show is going to be a little bit different because I'm recording this a few days before you'll get it, and I am busily packing and getting ready to leave, I actually jumped on Facebook to do a live video earlier today where I gave a little talk about the show, things to think about and pack before you go, what to do once you get there, how to handle some bigger shopping things that you might overlook, especially if it's one of your first times going, and how to handle getting all of your treasures back home. Plus, again, I'll also share a bit about how to look out for those crystal fakes. Because this is a little bit longer discussion, I will be skipping over the Ask Me Anything segment this week, as well as the trending this week, because let's face it, the thing that's trending right now is the gem show. So what I'd like to do now is turn it over to the recording of the talk that I shared over on Facebook Live today, And if you rather watch that as a video instead of listen to the podcast, feel free to hop over to the website at loveandlightschool.com slash blog. You can read a transcript of this episode there or watch the video or, of course, stay tuned in here. I'd love to have you join me on your favorite podcast platform. So I will go ahead and turn it over to my talk all about Tucson Gem Show tips and crystal fakes. Discover how you can deepen your spiritual journey and follow your soul calling with crystals. The Love and Light School's award-winning crystal healing certification program opens soon. Go to crystalhealerschool.com. So welcome, Ashley here from the Love and Light School, and we are talking about Tucson Gem Show tips and tricks. If you happen to be watching this live and you have any questions, anything you want to ask about the show, please feel free to pop that in the comments here, and I'll be happy to answer your questions. Um, So the Tucson Gem Show is probably, I think, the second largest gem show in the world. It's held every year in Tucson, Arizona. And it was originally just held for about four or five weeks in late winter, usually the very end of January 
through the month of February, but there's also now a fall show uh, in Tucson as well that I hear is much smaller. I haven't been to that one, Um, but there are vendors from all over the world selling crystals from all over the world, and it really is pretty magical. I mean, it's pretty amazing to see all of the different things that are available. Um, so I wanted to share some of the things that I'm doing behind the scenes right now to prepare for my trip to the gem show for my crystal shop, Mimosa Books and Gifts here in Madison, Wisconsin. So I always like to make my packing list for the trip, make sure that I'm nice and organized before I go. Uh, the things that I usually do before I leave are pack things like packing tape, rolls of tape, because I want to make sure I can wrap everything up nicely and get it home safe and sound. Um, I also pack some Sharpies for labeling things, some pens, and some little notebooks like this one. These are honestly like one of your best friends in Tucson because you think you're going to remember things like what you bought, where it's from, how much you paid for it, uh, what the vendor was that you bought it from in case you want to buy more next year, that kind of thing. And it's so hard to remember after the busyness of the show really sets in. So these little notebooks are perfect. Every time I'm there and I make a purchase, I write down what the minerals are that I bought, how much I paid for them, the location of where they're from, if I know, and the vendor name as uh, as well as where the vendor was located at the show so that I can review my notes from last year if I want to go back next year and find something similar because a lot of the vendors will have similar things from year to year. Um, And hi, Jennifer. Good to see you. Hello. Hi, Rita. So that is one of the things that I do to start preparing. Um, You also should plan to dress in layers because it is in the desert. So it can be really cold in the morning, pretty warm by the afternoon um, and everything in between. I've been at the Tucson Gem Show and gotten sunburned because I didn't put on enough sunscreen. And I've been to the Tucson Gem Show where there was freezing rain and snow. And I had to buy a heater to put in my hotel room. So there's, you know, a little bit of everything in terms of the weather. And it's good to pack in a way that you'll be prepared. Also, comfy shoes are a must for me as much as I want to be cute and stylish. I have to be comfy because you do so much walking there. A lot of parts of the show are accessible if you use a wheelchair or scooter or other mobility device. Some are not very accessible though. A lot of the aisles can be really narrow um, and very, very crowded with people. So, uh, you know, if you do use a mobility device, just look for places where, which will be a lot of the show, uh, where you'll be able to navigate more easily. Because unfortunately, the way some of the vendors set up the tables is not very easy to work around. Um, I also make sure that I have kind of a budget in mind before I go. How much do I want to spend? Because once you get there, it is so easy to overspend on things. That's the other reason that I take these little notebooks with me. At the end of every night that I'm at the show, because we're only there about four or five days, I total up what I've spent for that day on cash, on credit cards, and if you have checks or traveler's checks, um, it's good to include that as well. That way you know what you're spending and you can kind of try to stay 
within your budget because it is so easy to go overboard when you see things you really like. The other thing, though, is I try to have a little cushion in my budget um, of about 20 to 25 percent. So I have my target budget. But if I see something that's really spectacular and I know it's worth going a little over, I will, because sometimes there are those pieces you just can't walk away from. And here's the thing. The only crystals I've ever regretted uh, my relationship with were the ones that I didn't buy that I you know, walked away from. I never regret the ones that I bought. (laughs) So um, that's just something to keep in mind too. Maybe have a little bit of a cushion or a backup plan if you see something really, really spectacular. But also know what your limits are and know when you are willing to walk away because sometimes that's the right thing to do. So then I make sure that I call my bank a few days ahead of time uh, because I usually do a you know, a modest cash withdrawal. And I want to make sure that they'll have enough cash there for me since I'm buying for a whole shop, right? If you're buying for yourself personally, it's probably a little bit different. But if I'm going to go down there and pay for a hotel and airfare and all that stuff, I need to buy enough for my store to make it worth those expenses. So I usually will call my bank ahead, make sure that they have enough cash for me, and I'll go in a day or two before I'm scheduled to travel and get my cash. I also have my rental car all set up and I always buy the insurance on my rental car. I hope you do too. Uh, And I make sure that I know exactly where my hotel is, when check-in and check-out time are all that kind of stuff that we just should be doing when we travel. Then when I get there, I have a pretty solid game plan. I usually like to get a hotel room or a rented house or something like that that has a small kitchen or kitchenette so that I can prepare some of my own meals there. I usually prefer home-cooked food. I love the food that I make for myself. So having a small kitchen is important. So I usually try and go grocery shopping the night that I arrive. Then um, while I'm grocery shopping, I pick up some extra paper towels and toilet paper. Not only because let's face it, a lot of like rented houses usually don't have enough toilet paper. I don't know why. If you have several people staying there, they don't seem to have enough. But believe it or not, toilet paper and paper towels are one of the best things that you can use for wrapping all those little fragile crystals and shipping them back home. So some people rent a car, drive cross country, get a, you know, a big trailer, load it up and drive it home. That's an awful lot for me. So I fly out and I get a big pallet to ship things through UPS. And there are little trailer locations all over Tucson. There's two or three that are like mobile UPS stores and they're made specifically for doing large pallets by air freight. So it's not terribly expensive if you're buying like as much as I do for a big store uh, to get one of those pallets. I used to just do, you know, a couple boxes every day I'd take to the post office or to the UPS store. I have to tell you, I love the post office, huge fan of the United States Postal Service, but Every time I would send things to the post office, I had things that got damaged, broken, or just lost because my boxes often got really smashed. It's not really the post office's fault. It's just 
this time of year in Tucson, so many people are sending rocks through the post office that when those boxes get stacked up, all those heavy rocks just tend to smush things. So I no longer do the post office. I would do UPS and I would drop off a couple boxes every day so that my car didn't get too full by the end of the trip. If you wait until the end of the trip, you're going to have a lot of stuff. It makes everything complicated. But now I just do that pallet because I found it actually saved me a lot of money. I can insure the whole pallet. I've never had anything get damaged on a pallet. Cross my fingers that that will still be okay. Um, But it's really kind of the way to go for a shop like mine. Um, And yeah, Rita, the energy of all those crystals is very intense. There's a lot there. So you do have to kind of pace yourself, Uh, you know, know kind of what you're going to do. Make sure that you're drinking plenty of water throughout the day. Make sure you're taking breaks. Make sure you wear your sunscreen and some chapstick or lip balm that has some SPF protection as well. The desert is really, really, really dry. And so lots of lotion or hand cream and SPF sunblock and chapstick are really important. I like to pack my water bottle as well so that I can take that around with me throughout the day and make sure I'm staying hydrated. And then taking regular breaks. Like I said, it's a lot of walking. And when you're shopping, it's a lot of leaning over. I already have terrible posture to begin with most of the time. I try and pay attention to it, but usually by midday, my back is aching. So just remembering to do a lot of stretching, take some breaks and kind of, you know, loosen up a little bit is really important. The other thing is to kind of have a game plan and know where you're going to go and kind of what you're looking for loosely. And I say loosely because I used to go with really specific shopping lists, like here are all the things I want to get. And I'll tell you, sometimes you don't see the things that you're looking for, but you see a lot of other great things. So if you pass up all those other great things, looking for the specific things that you're looking for. You tend to miss out a lot on a lot and then not find everything that was on your list. Um, So you end up with not a lot by the end of the show. So yes, like be conservative with your shopping. If something seems too high priced or not good enough quality, don't rush into buying it because you will see something similar somewhere else. But if you find a good price on something, you find good quality, or you really like the vendor, maybe you know um, you know, from talking to them that they have some really good practices in terms of ethically sourced minerals, that sort of thing. Like one of the vendors there that is so great is Minec Minerals. I love Minec because all of their minerals are ethically sourced. Their workers are paid fair wages, they work in safe working conditions, and they have decent environmental reclamation practices for their mining. So it's a big deal. They also guarantee that there's no child labor used, um, which isn't the case for all of the gemstones and minerals that you'll see at the show. You also have to be really careful of fake crystals and minerals. I mean, I don't know how many of you that are watching have come across fake crystals in your time, but they are everywhere. And I've really seen it all. I've seen fake crystals that are completely not a stone at all. For example, malachite is commonly faked with green resin. I think it's pretty easy to spot, but if you're newer to crystals or you're novice, or you just aren't sure what you're looking for, it can be something that, you know, you might miss or you might overlook. You don't know what you don't know, right? So for something like that malachite, 
natural malachite has beautiful swirls and banded patterns in it. It's also pretty heavy because it's a copper-based mineral. With the fake malachite that's made of resin, it's very lightweight and the swirls or stripes are, are much more chunky than like light and airy, like the natural stuff. They're these chunky, harsh stripes or bands of color, and they look a little fuzzy instead of being so crisp and clear like on natural malachite. There's also crystal fakes that are mislabeled. So I actually got a text message from a friend earlier this morning who sent a picture of some crystal skulls that she was considering buying. She's down at the show a few days early. And she said, you know, what do you think these are? They're labeled as uperlite and they weren't uperlite at all. They were actually just probably a granite, but they had a similar coloration and a kind of similar patterning. So the seller you know, may have been, you know, doing this intentionally, trying to pass off a really cheap granite as uperlite because it's more sought after and popular right now. Or it could have just been a case of true mistaken identity. They misidentified what they were selling totally by accident because they genuinely thought that's what it was. Either way, technically, this would be the kind of thing that would be considered a crystal fake because it's one thing trying to be passed off as another. Again, whether that's intentional or not. You also have to be careful with enhanced stones. So a lot of crystals can be dyed, right? And this is very common for quartz and agate and things like that. If you see them in the really, really brilliant colors, you can probably spot that. There are also other enhancements though, like heating. So many of you are probably aware of amethyst that's been heat treated to make it appear as citrine, um, which is very, very common and widely accepted on the market. But a lot of crystal workers don't like to work with heat treated minerals. There's also artificially irradiated stones. So stones that are commonly irradiated are things like smoky quartz, especially the smoky quartz we see coming out of Arkansas. That one can be a little easier to spot because It uh, is sold in points or clusters, and it's often kind of a milky white at the base and very dark brown to black on the body of the crystal and the tip or termination. So they can be kind of easy to spot, but there are other smoky quartz that are naturally very, very dark, but they won't have that milky base. That's kind of a good giveaway for that. You'll also see a lot of minerals from Afghanistan, Pakistan that can be artificially irradiated, things like kunzite, definitely one of the ones that we see a lot, um, or hiddenite, which is like the green cousin to pink kunzite. They're both varieties of spodumene, which is the colorless variety. Um, So it's important to kind of know what to look for in each type of mineral, especially if it's something that you're paying a lot for. So when people ask me the question, well, how do I spot a crystal fake? There's really no one right answer. And there are loads of videos on the internet with all kinds of, you know, testing methods to test if your crystals are fake. And although some of those can be good in some circumstances, some of them don't work in other circumstances. And some of them can be even dangerous in other circumstances, like the burn method, not one that I would recommend. Also, those aren't things that you can do before you're purchasing a mineral. So really educating yourself about that specific type of crystal before you buy can be really important, especially if it's a big investment. 
If you're buying an agate slice for a couple bucks and you're not sure if it's diet or not, but you're willing to take the risk before you do some research, that's fine. But if you're buying a couple hundred dollar kunzite crystal, you may want to think twice and you may want to do a little bit of research. So doing a quick Google search is the best thing that you can do kind of on the fly when you're out at the show. And this is for any gem show, not just the big Tucson gem show, but any show. So if you were buying a piece of kunzite and you weren't sure if it was natural or not, you could Google how to identify fake kunzite or just fake kunzite or kunzite fake. And you would be able to look at a lot of different resources, giving you information about some of the things that you might want to look for to differentiate a natural kunzite crystal from a fake kunzite crystal. And that can make all the difference in the world, just giving you a little bit more information at your fingertips and even steering you into asking the right questions with the person that you're buying from. Because you might ask someone, is this kunzite fake? And they might say, no, it's not fake because it is a genuine kunzite crystal, right? It's not like it's a resin or something like that. But asking, has this kunzite been enhanced? That can be a different story. Then they might say, oh, yes, it is enhanced. Um, or has this kunzite been artificially irradiated? They might say, well, yes, it has been. And then you know the right questions to ask about each different type of mineral because they are widely varied in terms of the enhancements or fakes or substitutions that you will see. So um, Liz says, can you bring a black light with you to check something like the Uper light? Absolutely, you can. They make little portable flashlight ones that work really well. Um, the fluorescence test can be helpful for some things, especially things that often get misidentified for one another. Sometimes like, you know, um, two minerals will look kind of similar and one will fluoresce and the other won't. So it'll help you narrow down your identification if you're uncertain. Most of the time at Tucson, I don't think I've really come across a use for a black light, but it would definitely be helpful in terms of uperlite identification since that's one of the main things that makes uperlite special is its ability to fluoresce under black light. Uh, Megan says, are there different shipping vendors set up if you want a pallet shipped home in case I run out of room in my truck? I'm driving there in a truck and intend to bring them back uh, an entire truckload for my business. This is only my second time going. So yeah, you probably missed earlier, Megan. I mentioned there are these little mobile UPS locations where you can set up pallet shipping and it's really pretty affordable. The most expensive thing about the pallet shipping is the insurance. Um, but I always think like I have to get the insurance because if something happened to that pallet, if it disappeared, that would be catastrophic for my business. So I have to get the insurance. I insure it for the full amount I've spent. And that's the other reason writing down what you bought every single day and how much you spent on it and tallying it up every night so that you know, okay, day one, I spent this much by cash, this much by check, this much on credit card, so that at the end of the trip, when you're ready to ship things home, you know how much to insure that pallet for. Or if you don't have enough to fill a pallet, I usually only do about, well, last year, last time I went, which was in um, January of 2020, pre-COVID, I filled the pallet right to the top. <laughs> in years past, I've usually done about half to two thirds of a pallet full, and it still was worth sending the pallet rather than individual boxes through UPS. But if you only have a couple boxes, you can um, just you know drive them over to UPS, 
send your, your couple boxes on their way. But that's another reason it's good to have the prices so that you know how much to insure each individual box for. That's really important. And Chris says, is there a better time to go to the show? Is the beginning of the show versus the end of the show different? How many days do you stay? This is a great question. So I personally stay about five days. Um, we have the day that we go, the day that we leave, and we have three main shopping days in between. No, four main shopping days in between, sorry. Um, so I have four main shopping days and two travel days, so about six days total. And that works out well for the size business that I'm purchasing for, for my shop at Mimosa Books in Madison. Um, and you know, I've never really gone at the end of the show, but I'll tell you, there are some pros and cons. So if you go really early, like some people started last week, to me, that's a little too early. Like the second to the last week in January is kind of too early because not everybody is set up yet. And although you might get first pick at some of the vendors that are set up, it doesn't really give you the opportunity to explore the show in its fullness, unless you're really staying like a couple weeks, which some people do. I personally cannot afford a hotel for that long. It's just because the rates are really expensive during the show um, or like an Airbnb or whatever. So I usually only go for that shorter amount of time, which is a good amount for a store like mine. My last day, I make sure my flight leaves a little bit later so that I can really spend that day focused on shipping and getting our pallet ready to be sent back home. I don't really do any shipping that last day. I've tried in the past. It just gets a little too chaotic. So I like to leave that full last day just for shipping. So if you go toward the beginning of the show, usually like that last week in January. Um, so you're there for the last weekend in January. That's when most things open, like just before that last weekend. That's a great time to go because when I say the Tucson Gem Show, there's really like 30 shows or something like that, all happening simultaneously all around the city. And that first, that sorry, that last weekend in January is a great time because there's a lot of overlap amongst what shows are open. So you can pretty much take your pick and go just about anywhere and the vendors will be set up and have lots of product. It's also early on enough in the show that you're getting kind of, you know, more the first pick, the higher quality stuff. A lot of people though strategize the opposite way. They go toward the end of the show, which could be the second week in February. Um, because they want to get really good deals, right? A lot of the vendors have gone to great expense to ship all of those rocks and gemstones to the show. And so toward the end of the show, they're pretty motivated to get rid of it, to sell it, even if it's at lower prices, because they don't want to pay to ship it back. That's very expensive for them. So uh, it really depends what your strategy is. If you want to go toward the end of the show to try and get bigger, you know, better deals, that can be a really good strategy. Just knowing that the quality might be a little bit less, but you can still find some decent stuff there for sure. Or you can go earlier on in the show, you're paying the standard prices, but you're getting really good quality. And I'll tell you, that's my preference. I rather have better pick, better quality and pay just a little bit more because also the show is so competitive that I think the prices are fairly reasonable no matter where. Where you go. There are a lot of people I know that go a lot later though, like that first or second week in February. Um, I've never gone quite that late myself, but I know people have gone. I have um, 
a friend who goes, she only lives about an hour away. So she goes like, you know, for the whole three, four weeks that the show is happening and finds different things at different stages. And we've kind of had a lot of conversation and discussion about that. And it's interesting how the show kind of changes over the couple of weeks. I think also the beginning of the show is more geared towards stricter wholesale. Uh, so that's something to know if you have a shop uh, or you have a business, you need your tax ID, your reseller permit number or wholesale license. It's called lots of different things to get into some of the shows. And there are other places where they don't ever ask you for your tax number. You can just buy whatever, even at wholesale price. So you might just be um, you know, a person with a massage business or something like that. And you want to start selling crystals in your studio. You can go there without a tax ID and pick some things up. Um, not Every show lets you do that. Some are very, very strict. You have to be registered and have badges and that kind of thing. So it really helps to look up the shows in advance and see what their requirements are and what their dates are. And a quick Google search will give you a link with a list of all the shows by year, where they're located, and then links to their individual websites so you can see what those requirements are. Um, but you'll find just tons of things all across the city where you don't need a uh, reseller permit or tax ID in order to get in or buy things from them. Every vendor is a little bit different, but some of the larger shows, like um, I think the Gem Mall, for instance, like you have to have a reseller permit. Now that's the difference also between the beginning of the show and the end of the show. I think the beginning of the show more geared toward wholesale buyers. And the end of the show is really more open to the public, it seems like. Um, so that's just something to keep in mind as well when you're planning your trip. Yeah, no problem. So I mentioned earlier, when we first get to the show, we buy a lot of paper towels and toilet paper. I pack my tape, I pack my Sharpies. And then each night after we've purchased our stuff for the day, we go back to our house or our hotel room. We have a nice dinner and then we wrap crystals. We pack and pack and pack until the wee hours of the night trying to get everything packed because if we don't do it each night, there's no possible way that there's time to get it all done. So a lot of people think, oh, Tucson sounds so dreamy. It sounds so glamorous. And it's very fun. It's amazing to go. I think every crystal lover should go at least once in their life. But I will tell you, it is a lot of hard work. You're on your feet walking around all day, doing the shopping, making a lot of decisions. You do have some like mental fatigue, decision fatigue by the end of the day. So we take that nice long dinner break and then get packing. So we're up pretty late and then up again early the next morning to get out and hit the town. I would say most vendors are open by about 9 a.m. If you try and go much earlier, like 8 a.m., some people will be open. Um, but you have to remember the vendors get tired too, right? They're working all day. Uh, they're not getting a lot of sleep. Oh, pardon me. So it's just a lot to kind of balance for them. The other thing I want to say about that is when you're there shopping, you do need to, you know, kind of watch your invoicing pretty closely, not because any of the vendors are trying to, uh, you know, pull one over on you, but because they're tired too, and they're humans too, and they can make mistakes in the math. So, 
you know, a lot of people will choose to, if you want to save time, leave their stuff that they've picked out with the vendor, let them total it all up, and then they come back later and pay their invoice. That can be great if you're short on time. I do that in a lot of instances. You just have to be prepared for the odd mistake here and there, um, which I've had some very costly ones where people really, really, really overcharge me. I've had some where they really, really, really undercharge me, and I am always super honest about that, and I call There was a jewelry company once, no joke, they undercharged me by about $5,000. And I didn't realize until, because it was the last day um, and we hadn't gone through everything. We just threw it in the pallet and left. I didn't realize until we got back to the shop and we were unpacking everything and checking it in. And I saw all these things that were not in the invoice and the um, credit card total on the invoice was really low. So I called and paid the difference for what I could figure out that they had missed putting on the invoice. So, I mean, it it happens both ways. Just be prepared that if you're not checking your invoices, like when you're right there with them, um, there can be mistakes, right? And just remember they're tired, they're human, mistakes happen. Just talk to them about it. Most people are so good about, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Let me take care of that for you, right? So I was talking about buying the toilet paper, paper towels, all that stuff, because we wrap everything every night. We have a friend who lives in the area who saves cardboard boxes for us for a couple months leading up to the show. But a good tip if you need some boxes to pack your crystals into is to head to the grocery stores, little retail stores, stuff like that, and ask if they have any extra cardboard boxes. A lot of like hardware stores, grocery stores, places like that have tons of cardboard boxes around, but they do get kind of picked over this time of year. Um, So also if the person that you're buying from has any extra extra boxes that they're willing to part with. It's good to ask for those too, so you can get things packed up. If you're shipping through UPS, you can also try and buy boxes at UPS, although uh, they tend to run out. And then the U.S. Post Office has their priority mail shipping boxes, but then you have to ship through the post office, which I mentioned isn't my favorite because I've had a lot more damage that way. Um, It's also been really hard to get the post office to cover insurance claims on those damaged items. They, I don't know why, but they have been just refusing to cover any damage, stuff like that. So unfortunately, that means for us, shipping UPS um, is the way to go. So I think that's it. Plan on having a very full car or truck or, you know, whatever, as you're trying to coordinate that last day you're there, getting everything over to the shipper, especially if you're doing a pallet, it can mean taking a few car loads. Uh, I learned last time we were there that we definitely needed to start that a little earlier in the day because our checkout time uh, where we were staying was like 10 a.m. and we still had stuff in the house. So it got a little bit uh, challenging. So just kind of really watch your time and come up with a plan the night before your last day so that you kind of know the timing and you're ready to go. With that, I think that's it in terms of some of my tips, SPF sunblock, comfy shoes, write everything down, have a budget, check things in at night, pack them up at night. Oh, if you are personal shopping or if you don't have quite as much and you want to take things home on the plane, here is the trick. Do not wrap all your crystals up ahead of time because 
you will not be a friend to TSA. Let me tell you, I made that mistake once. They really were not happy with me. I almost missed my flight because they literally had to unwrap every single little crystal that I had purchased to check it, um, which then they were not even well-wrapped by the time I had to get back on the plane. So if you're taking things in your carry-on, the best way to do it is to have a cardboard flat, leave all the crystals loose in there, just carry it nice and level through the airport and have a roll of paper towels and some tape or some rubber bands or something in your backpack or your purse or whatever. And then when you go through airport security, you can just open that box up, send the whole flat through. And when you get to your gate, just be sure you've arrived early enough that you can sit and wrap up all your little crystals while you're sitting at the gate, as long as you don't have a transfer where you have to go back through security and then close it up and it's ready to go. Um, You can also put crystals in your checked bag. Just make sure that you're not going to go over the weight limit and that you don't put anything fragile in there because those bags do get thrown around. Um, And also you want to make sure you're not putting anything really, really expensive in a checked bag because usually there are limits on what you can be reimbursed for in a checked bag that way. So I hope that that's helpful. I know it's a lot of basic stuff, um, but you know, a lot of things I've just learned over years and years of going to the show that I've found really helpful. If you want to follow along for all the crystal fakes that I discover while I'm at the show, please follow me on Instagram at love and light school. I will be posting daily to my stories of all the different fakes that I find at the show with some information on what to look for so that you can be better informed about those crystal fakes. So again, my handle is at love and light school. I want to make sure that you follow along and I'll be saving all of those uh, stories from Instagram to a highlight reel so that you can check them out if you miss a day, right? Because they're only up for 24 hours, but I'll save them to a highlight reel. You can refer back to it anytime you're out shopping for crystals, and I hope it will help you. So thank you so much. Thanks, Rita. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, everyone, for being here. Until I see you next time, crystal blessings. Do you feel intuitively called to work more deeply with your stones? to grow your confidence, knowledge, and connection to crystal energy beyond what you can learn on your own? Our award-winning Crystal Healing Certification Program will take you from crystal lover to a confident, certified crystal healer and help you discover your soul's path and crystal purpose. Go to crystalhealerschool.com to learn more. Well, that is it for my chat all about the Tucson Gem Show. I hope that you found a lot of value in today's show. And if you want more information about anything I discussed in this episode, you can learn more over on the website at loveandlightschool.com slash blog. And of course, if you did enjoy the show today, the biggest compliment you can give me is to leave a quick rating and a review over at loveandlightschool.com slash iTunes. And I'd like to give a really special shout out today to Love My Two Doxies, who left a five star rating and says, So happy I found it. I am new to this podcast and fairly new to crystals. I love the way she explains everything so clearly and simply. I don't feel overwhelmed at all when I listen to the episodes and learn more about crystals. I am so happy I stumbled upon this podcast and can't wait to work my way through all the episodes. So love my two doxies. Thank you so much for taking the time to leave that review. I am 
so incredibly grateful and I appreciate you helping others find the show. So again, if you'd like to leave your own review and get a special shout out from me here, head over to loveandlightschool.com slash iTunes where you can leave your review or you can visit loveandlightschool.com slash listen to check out this podcast, most popular episodes, most recent episodes, as well as all the platforms where you can subscribe so you never miss a future episode. That brings me to the end of this show today, part of the Love and Light Live podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Levy, and I'll be back with you in our next episode. Until then, crystal blessings. The Love and Light Live podcast is a production of the Love and Light School of Crystal Therapy. Connect with us online at loveandlightschool.com or on social at loveandlightschool. The content provided on or through our website or podcast makes no claims for specific or general health or health results and should not be used to examine, diagnose, or treat any medical condition, prescribe medications, make claims for specific or general healing or health results, or as a substitute for traditional medical treatment. For medical advice, you should consult a licensed healthcare specialist. For more information, please refer to the terms of use on our website at loveandlightschool.com.